All right, this is Hyperborean Radio. I'm Celtic God. With me today, as always, is the Lore Keeper. Hello, everybody. Hey. Yeah, so we was listening to the last podcast, actually, that we did. Brilliant stuff. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. Yes. Um, but we decided there we should actually further the conversation a little bit and bring up Goodfellows. Well, it's because we kind of forgot to talk about this one, and despite specifically trying to avoid doing this, we accidentally kind of created a hierarchy, and we weren't trying to do that in the sense of, well, heathens outrank pagans, because heathens are out in the out in the fields, out in the woods, and no. Well, and we also realized that we was using the actual definition, the, the old definition of pagans, Versus the common vernacular. Well, it's partly pagans. because we don't really like the common vernacular because the common vernacular is wrong. Yes. But the um, the word pagans literally means just true to your nature, basically. That's well, why yes. before someone's introduced to the church. And it's and in ba- reference to us specifically by the old definition yes, it, where now it's like if you're just not Abrahamic. I can't remember. I think it's Greek in origin. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Latin. But pagan basically... Like we we covered it in the Heathens podcast. Pagan mean like they would call the unbaptized children little pagans. When they say the pagan gods, it didn't mean like just the non Abrahamic gods. It meant the gods of the people. Right. Which is why, you know, unbaptized kids, pagans go to pagan gods, that whole thing. Right. And so so to to dissuade any confusion, uh, not just amongst us all here, but also when we're talking to people not directly involved in the conversation, Goodfellows. That's an old word, and it's it's a really good descriptor, and it means specifically us. Well, it means followers of the old ways. Yes. And it also means good fellows, good friend. He's This is a good man, good woman, mm-hmm. a good wife, a good man. Uh, that's actually where the term, not necessarily good fellow, but I think good wife is where the term goody comes from. Yeah. Which, from what I remember off the top of my head. So, if anyone tries to say Goody something, Goody is not a first name. No. Goody is, if if you see someone use Goody as a first name, they're morons or very, very misinformed. One of the two. If that happens to be your name, go slap your parents and say, Why do you hate me so much? Yes. Also, if your name is Apple, Facebook, Legolas. These exist, by the way. Yes, unfortunately. Khaleesi. There were a lot of Khaleesi's for a while. That's not that's not even her name. That's like saying queen. However, Wolfgang is an excellent name. Wolfgang. Conan's a good name. Arthur. Godfrey. Godwin. That's, yes. Those are some good names. Osborne. Osborne. Oh, Bear God. Uh, anyways, getting off topic. Yes. We, we was discussing it, and it's like, well, why don't we just, to clarify for regular people out in the world instead of us saying that we're we're pagans because there's the actual definition you know it's a whole lot of explaining the actual definition versus the common understanding if we just say good fellows that opens up the the door for what it actually means or uh like we've done the ethnic way but Mm -hmm. the ethnic way gets the ethnic way can be applied to everyone Whereas Goodfellow and, and is we a, do follow the ethnic way, the hyperborean ethnic way. The Japanese would follow the Japanese ethnic way. The Chinese, so it's the like Chinese a, ethnic way. The, the ethnic way is like a big umbrella term. Yes. Much like pagan is today. 
Yes. It's it, a huge umbrella. Well, basically what we're doing by saying the ethnic way is we've taken what pagan should mean and we've just translated it into modern English. Right. More or less. Not, it's not a one for one, but it's close. So then what we, what we specifically follow, as I'm assuming the people listening to, is the Hyperborean way. Yes. Well, and then there's many different versions of that within. Yes. Like you are more of the Gaelic persuasion because yes. that's your ancestry. I'm more. So it's Alpine one umbrella German. to another one to another one. So then you can start out with the smallest one. In my case, it'd be like, uh, yeah, I follow the Gaelic gods. I follow the Gaelic way. Or for a broader conversation, I might say the Hyperborean way. Of course, they're going to look at me weird and I can just explain it quickly and succinctly versus the bigger the umbrella, the more explaining I have to I have to do. Well, and part of this comes back to vocabulary there. There is new speak that has corrupted a lot of modern words, and a lot of it can be traced to the last hundred years and as well as several centuries of propaganda from the church that have made these words mean things they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And actually, I've actually experienced this where I will actually tell someone I'm pagan or heathen, uh, you know, as kind of like a short version of trying to explain everything. They get so confused. They do. They get really confused. I've used um, follower of the ethnic way, and then I'll really quickly move into specifically of the Hyperborean kind requires less explanation. Yes, it's odd because these two words are far more in common use, pagan and heathen. Oh, yeah, it shocked me. Well, it shocked me how, how many people understand what Hyperborean means. Yeah, that, because uh, I've actually had, like, we've uh, covered this, like, boomers, like the, the hippie-faced boomers have been have uh, seen me walking around with Hyperborea Forever shirt that we have. Oh, yeah, they get mad. They get mad, and they're what like, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? And they're always got, like, that snide, like, gotcha face. And I mm -hmm. explained to them, oh, it means the the North forever, our people forever, and explain what it is, and they just kind of look People defeated. of the northern wind, and, yeah, and they just get sad. Well, because they're, they're like, hoping to have caught a Nazi or whatever. Yeah. But, um, like, in the experience I had with the heathen and pagan, and we went over what these words actually mean in the last podcast. We sort of covered it at the beginning of this one. But... People have guessed completely wrong. Like, I've had people think that I mean atheism or that I'm anti-God or that I'm anti-religion. I've had people think that I'm a Satan. There's so many different words. And some of them you wouldn't even think. Like, I got so confused. And then people will, because a lot of people will treat these names synonymous. Mm -hmm. So, like, pagan and heathen mean specific things. And then other people view them as meaning different things, but they still don't get the actual definition. Right. So there's just this complete removal of what it means. So then to back back up to the topic of the uh, of this podcast here, of this broadcast here, Goodfellows. We're all Goodfellows here. It doesn't matter. Like, heathens are specifically country people, country folk. But Goodfellows, uh, you live in either place. Well, and then... It, it just means that you follow the follow the old ways. Well, and there actually is a very famous figure who still holds this name, Puck, mm -hmm. because he was called Robin Goodfellow. That's one of his nicknames, which be, basically means the devil of the pagans or the the god of the followers of the old ways. Yeah, 
It depends on who you, how you want to translate it, because the church, of course, translates Let's be honest, Robin. It depends devil. on who's translating it. Yes, because it means devil to the church, but it means God to the pagans. So it's it's a whole thing. Yeah, and it, the, our last podcast could be taken to mean, well, unless you live in the country, you you just can't follow the old ways. That is not at all what we meant. It just heathens are specific to the rural countryside where you can live in the urban centers and still follow the old ways. Yes, and you can still which actually... Which makes you a good fellow. Well, and you can actually take the ideas of heathens and apply it to the city. Mm -hmm. it, it won't be quite as well, but there are certain things you can do in an urban setting. But you can still be strong, courageous, and and seek understanding or wisdom. Well, it's there's a song I listen to sometimes. I forget what it's called. But it's about a guy that was uh, born in a prison, mm -hmm. and he thinks he oh yeah he I, thinks he's not allowed to leave, so he he's thinks he's trapped there, and then he finds out one day that he can actually just he could have walked out at any time. And it, the song is actually goes along the lines of I'm only as I was always as free as I wanted to be. I was always as free as a bird. And a lot of people born in cities feel trapped understandably so mm -hmm. but the thing is is there like myself i i was born in a city i want to i want to get out to the countryside you are a countryside individual you are a, you were a heathen you in many ways you're kind of detached from your your home now because mm -hmm. you live in the city i'm in exile yes self-imposed exile but it's still exile yes but there are certain things you can do in a city that you can't do in the countryside. Mm -hmm. like, like what we're doing right now. Yes. Yeah, like it's this. not that it's impossible in the countryside, but it requires so many resources. Yes. If we were in the countryside, we probably wouldn't be doing this. So uh, here at you, least at least without a lot of third party support. Oh, yeah. Especially because, uh, to be quite frank. I would be doing country people stuff. Yeah. You'd be harvesting wood. You'd be going out into the woods. You'd be hunting you'd be working in the garden so on so you'd forth. be doing the the drag racing that sometimes happens right. out there i mean we get to the position where we're screw it we get to the position where we're building a town we're going to need somebody to chase me around with a mic because i just won't sit still long enough to do a podcast well there's too much to do and it's why it's not that we don't want to do this. So, it's that <laughs> so, yeah, the formatting is going to completely change. We get out to the country. I'll, I'll be might, running around with a lapel mic doing the things I do. The sound's going to be absolutely horrible because I'm not going to stop it, moving. It might transition more to, like, a hangout stream rather than trying to pre-record these, prep them, and put them out as mm -hmm. basically radio broadcasts. Well, when, when I live in, in the, the rural countryside, there's TV and whatnot, but people would complain because, oh, you really have to watch this TV show. Okay, sure. I'll watch TV show when I come in. I come in, TV show is already over. Of course. Or if I happen to come in and it happens to be playing, they're like, oh, this is the show I was telling you that you have to watch. You're going to love it. Okay, fine. Now, me being the normal social me, I go out there, I sit down uh, on the couch or in a chair watch the, the TV show for a few minutes. And if there are no commercials, it turns into, oh, I got to get up for a second. I'm going to get something, something to drink or whatever. And I don't do it on purpose, but I get up, I go fill up my coffee cup, and I t 
I forget I was even watching TV and just walk right outside. Or a commercial comes on. Oh, okay, I'll be right back. While it's on commercial, I'm going to go fill up my coffee cup. Everybody says, okay, I fill up my coffee cup. I forget that I was watching a TV show and walk outside. So imagine trying to get me to sit down for a hangout session, uh, maybe at night around a campfire or something. Well, unlike the reality is as much as I like certain movies, as much as I like certain things on YouTube, as much as I like certain video games, if I have the option between that or just I'd probably go bird watching. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd age 20 years, go gray, start wearing a sweater vest and go out with my binoculars and start doing some bird watching. Right. But if it's something other than because I'm already getting yeah, it's going to turn into we're going to have to have somebody else that likes doing this stuff chasing us around, chasing us around or uh, telling, oh, no, no, you got to do this. You got to do another one. And worse yet, I kind of feel sorry for whoever's going to end up doing this because I, I honestly believe that we're going to get this far. We're doing two separate things and then they have to splice it together. Because we aren't in proximity to each other. Yeah, we're, uh, we're too busy doing... Because there's so much to do when you have, like, a town and you're mm-hmm. trying to get it started, especially a more rural side, that we'd probably both be doing other things to try and get the yeah. stuff done as fast. No matter how it works out, the formatting will definitely change when we get there. The best... Because I, I like doing this. I like putting things in terms that people can understand. So for a podcast, it very well might turn into... We, to get to get Celtic God to sit still long enough to do this, we have to build a fire and create a social environment so, so that he will sit still. Well, and we've to had, talk. Well, we've had so many people m- mention to us specifically, send us messages and let us know that this this podcast we do mm-hmm. has actually allowed them to see ethnic faith. The ethnic way is even a viable option, and they thank us profusely. We had. One person, they'd only found us like a month or two ago, talk about how no amount of money could thank us enough, the little bit of the money they would send us, because they'd been profoundly changed, and they thanked us. And I, it was touching. I was like, I, I did not expect that. But don't be mistaken. We do accept cash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, well and, and that's what I think a lot of our um, our Patreon subs are i think they're more interested in supporting us doing shows like this and the telegram than anything that we put on patreon yes well we still put stuff on Patreon. yeah we still do you get sneak peeks you get early access you get there's articles when they don't even look at the patreon they just they signed up they just said thank you and then thank you it gave us their their message and then that's that's all that they do. I mean, they might show up, but they don't interact with anything. We can't we can't tell if they're looking. Well, yeah, we can, but we can't tell who is looking. But so, mm. but back to Goodfellows because yes. because actually, Goodfellows can apply to a country person or heathen just as much as it can apply to someone who is in the city, yeah. an urban dweller. Well, and well, what is a good fellow? Well, it's in the name, a good fellow. And fellow is gender neutral. I'm not referring specifically to the fellas versus the fillies. Yeah. I like to think our audience isn't so silly as to get hung up on those words. Well, it's his story. What about her story? I like to think most of our audience so are just much. sick of that shit. Well, it, well, it's uh, like they used to make fun of that. It's the whole change semester to Ovester. 
because then you because you're preferring semen to ovaries. Uh, I just had a migraine. <laughs> I mean that you that was making fun of it, but yeah. just the fact that I know something like that exists, I I felt something pop in my head. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't, don't. <laughs> anyways, <clears throat> but the there are certain things, especially in modern cities, that you can do that you can't necessarily do in this like this. There yeah. are certain things you have access to. I mean, you Sometimes can do it in the country, but it's difficult because upload times. Anybody yes. that lives in the rural areas will, will tell you. crap. Uh, yeah, the internet is crap. Yes. Uh, we'd be further off getting a ham radio. Well, well, and depending, yeah, actually, for most of it, we would. And if we're in an area where where we want to be, there's options. But the easiest option would be to actually record it, travel to a, a town, and then upload it from there. Where Starbucks comes in handy. Yes. Well, if there's no Starbucks in those areas, that's that's definitely a city thing. Oh. Uh, I've Moon- never been to a small town with a Starbucks. Mundos. Yes. <laughs> Instead of Starbucks, Mundos. But uh, um, more likely Bob's Corner Store. Most likely. But basically it's the idea that you can't really. Yes, there are certain things that <clears throat> that you can't quite grasp in the city and it's like you don't quite realize it till you actually go out into well, the woods. and it's it's understandable that's where the thing comes in that bothers me is i'm going to paraphrase a tv show because it's right if you don't know don't speak this is the way well and the thing is is it's the it's like i will never understand sailing unless i decide to go be a sailor so i don't tell the sailor how to sail and that's actually an issue that happens today is like the it's a common complaint among country folk that the people try to run the country like they do the city. It's a completely different setting. You, yeah, can't, you just can't do it. It's a completely different way of life. But here's the thing. Is, and it's unjust. Yes. But the good fellow or the barbarian or like Conan the Barbarian, he is Conan the Barbarian, whether he's in the cold mountains of Samaria or he's in the mountains of... I am blanking. Right. Well, I'm going to take off with a thought then. Is no, I just uh, meant that the 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 current the 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 current way that things work, you end up with. Mo- and I'm not accusing anybody directly that's listening, but you end up with a lot of urban people telling country people about what nature is, about how to live in the country, about things to do in the country, and so on and so forth. But do you know what country folk have to say about the city? Basically nothing. They, they're not like, oh, in the cities, they should be doing this. In the cities, they should be doing that. They don't do that. It's either I like the city or I don't like the city or, oh, I think I would like to, more likely rather than I like the city is, oh, I think I'd like the city. And I really want to one day I want to go visit New York City and see the Empire State Building and I want to go to St. Louis and see the arch. They they don't presume what the city is. However, the city people have been taught to presume what the rural countryside is, including flinging insults like redneck. Well, he's just a redneck. Redneck isn't actually an insult unless you use it that way or calling them hicks or hillbillies, st- hillbillies, stupid, backward people. They don't know. This has been taught in the cities. That doesn't happen in the countryside. 
So that's why I really like that line of, if you don't know, don't speak. This is the way. Because it's true, and it is the way. Well, and my whole point with what I was trying to say is I couldn't actually name, I couldn't remember any of the kingdoms from Conan because I haven't read it in a bit. That's what I was saying. Oh. Um, yeah, it's not worth d- diving into unless it's really part of the point. No, but my point was mostly that the mentality can transfer to the city. Yeah. You're more likely to get in trouble for it in the city than you are in the countryside. Well, it depends on how you execute it. Yes. But one benefit the city has over the countryside is anonymity. Yeah. In the countryside, probably uh, you show up one in and one it, moment. That whole trope of everybody knows everybody. Yeah. While it's not 100% true, it is probably 95% true. So there is a benefit of the anonymity of there's a certain level of you can do certain things and people won't know who you are. Well, and access to technology, access to various resources from everywhere. It's not that there's no resources in the countryside. There's plenty of resources. It's just not the wide range of resources. Well, and there's the added benefit of you can kind of compartmentalize your life in the city. Mm -hmm. And I'm only bringing these up because a lot of people will bemoan the city. And we've always had cities. Granted, they used to be more Rivendell and Gondor and less New York slums. Not necessarily uh, 10 million people all jammed into 20 square miles. Like a sardine box. Yeah, not necessarily that. But if most of the villages are, say, uh, I forget what the common number is that they say, like 200 people, which is that's stupid small. Let's roll with that. And then you got one that's a trading center where there's 5,000 people. 5,000 people compared to 200, that's a city. Well, And, and that's going small scale. Well, and there's always going to be ebb and flow, and there's always going to be a buildup of population centers because this trading port has a lot of resources, mm-hmm. or this is a new area, so people come in en masse. It's, I mean, we've discussed this a lot before although i guess to a lot of people it's new but yeah cities are going to happen just because you have a city or an urban center or a trading center whatever it is that you want to call it does not mean that you can't be a good fellow we can be good fellows living in milwaukee or oh gosh i want to say la but i don't want to give them anything so i'm not going to uh (laughs) la or houston or um pick a pick london yeah london there can be good fellows living there. Sorry, I know that we got some Californians listening to us, but California could disappear, and I would just breathe a sigh of relief. So if you're a good fellow there, please get out. Yes. That's the, the reality is, in the United States, for our non-American listeners, most people in the United States really only care about their general area Mm -hmm. like you're not going to find a lot of michiganders or a lot of iowans or a lot of floridians well if you ask me care about the other states if you ask me about tennessee i'll be like yeah it's a nice state i've been there i highly recommend going up into the the mountains because to me that's the best place to be in tennessee now ask me if i care about tennessee only in a tertiary way if i'm being honest in general I don't even think about Tennessee. Well, the reality is, is every, like we said in Heathens, everyone has their own yeah. in-group. It's why trying to think that, like, for example, uh, there are cities that don't like the city, you know, one city over. Yeah. And this is in the same state, in the same county, in the same region. So there are people who 
they live on the wrong side of the river. Yes. I don't like people from the north side of town. We're a very tribal people. It's going to happen. So the idea that a country as big as the United States or Russia or the Roman Empire, everyone's going to care about everyone is is not conducive to human nature. But basically the idea is just because you live in a city does not mean you're not pagan. Correct. You're, you can and still if be you're a, a follower good of the Hyperborean ways, then you can refer to yourself specifically as a good fellow. Yes. And then explain to people. Uh, and one of my favorite things, because I have actually used good fellow before, they're like, what's that? I'm like, well, it's in the name. And they're like, yeah, you are a pretty good fellow. Yeah. It, it, literal words are useful. You know, it's, it helps cut through some of the bullshit. Same is it's kind of funny when people try describing me and they'll try describing me as nice. And I watch the physical pain on their face because they know I'm not nice at all. So then I'll offer kind. Yes, that's the one. That's the word. You're very kind. You are not nice. No, because well, I'm not. I'm not nice at all. Well, and if when it comes to cities, I'd prefer East Coast kind to West Coast. Nice. Yeah. I mean. Granted, both of them are more on the nice scale, and even that's fallen off the pretend niceness. Yeah. But, but either way, we're we're all good fellows. It's a good word. We've discussed what it means, but ha- we still need to discuss what it means. I guess is you're not going to have a connection to the land in the same way if you're an urban good good fellow, which is kind of where I wanted to focus the discussion. You're not going to have a connection. In, to the land in the same way as the heathen with his local river, his local lake, uh, that tree over there, which uh, my great, great, well, this one here you might have because there are parks and whatnot um, and people, trees in people's yards. So I'll skip that one. But you're not going to have connection to the land in the same way, but you do still have a connection to the city, to the land that the city is on and to the people. To the people that live there. Well, it, this Whether is how, you like them or don't like them, doesn't matter. There's still a connection there. Well, the reality is cities used to be... Well, first of all, they literally used to be towns and villages. Yeah. But it used to be how a city was set up was every neighborhood was its own village. Mm-hmm. Now, it might not be self-sufficient. Like, well, you might not have gardens. they're typically called that. They're just not treated that way anymore, which is part of the issue. Anyways. Well, but, like, Harlem is Harlem. Uh, Hell's Kitchen is for Hell's Kitchen. And I don't know a lot of other uh, small neighborhood sort of groupings. But, uh, like, this is even mentioned in uh, the movie Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. It uh, There's a line from Amsterdam, the main character, who basically goes on about how New York wasn't a city. It was more like a, lot, a bunch of t- warring tribes where a city might one day be. Right. That's actually kind of how it's most... Boroughs. It's the boroughs. It's it's how city it, cities are actually in reality well, set up. And actually, I was going to bring that up. Cities used to actually war with each other, even within the same country. Well, that's what gangs are. That's what, like in the United States... Or, originally, that's what they were. Yeah. Well, and then people backed each other. I mean, there there is a level where it can go a bit too far, mm-hmm. obviously, but... The reality is like the Irish gangs, the Italian gangs, they were started for their people. That was their primary purpose was to care for their people in a new land. And then there'd be entire neighborhoods of Italians. There'd be entire neighborhoods of Irishmen. There'd be entire neighborhoods of Germans. And this was kind of how the 
the city would be set up is you'd have this is like the Italian area. Right. This is well, like the and Irish the, and area. The very early areas, gangs of New York isn't too far off. It was literally the the boroughs would war with each other on occasion. But then you can even go back further. In Italy, I believe it was after the fall of Rome. The city of war was, or the city of war, the city of Rome was actually warring with the city of Venice, who was warring with yeah another like they were city states. Well, and that all was warring actually, with each other, even though they they was all together in the sense that we're all Italy, but yet they was openly warring with each other. Well, and actually, they were a lot of warring city states for a while. They yeah. were Italy, the peninsula, but it was like. I don't even remember. It was like over well, and 50 the, kingdoms. The, 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 well, the time period I'm talking about, they had like a singular leader over the whole peninsula, but the cities were still warring with each other. Yes, and just like they were before, they were unified. Yeah. Just like they were back in Roman days. It's just what we do, yo. Well, it's, the thing is, is <laughs> it's our favorite pastime. I'm trying on that city vernacular. Well, and that actually brings me to something that used to be a uniting force for cities Mm -hmm. because just like you know you have your local football team or your local whatever team in the town there were the city ones it used to be like do you back chicago or do you back pittsburgh and i've seen people mock the sports teams before and like well if people had that much pride in their people as they do on their sports team i don't disagree with what they've become because modern sports have become the mascot is literally what you're rooting for and it doesn't necessarily have much to do with the people anymore. But it used to. Used to be like having Babe Ruth on Well, at one time they used to the be team. local heroes. Yeah. Well, that well it's because they were the pride. They were the champion mm-hmm. of their people. Like they used to do this with um boxing. Uh there'd be the Italian versus the Irishman or the Italian versus the Negro yeah. and it was a big deal. It was you know, this guy right, is the, fighting the for... The Irish boxer was in there boxing, representing all Irishmen. Yes, and the Italian, the same thing. And, and then it's the, something that our people specifically seem to have forgotten. Well, it's because, well, we can't be racist. We can't be tribalist. We have to we be have inclusive. To, we're not... That's not how our people work. Well, and the thing is, half these words that they're using don't mean what the people think that they mean. Uh, and if you try using the actual definition, you can have a little bit of a conversation, but they're not understanding what you're saying. So, ah, like inclusive. Uh, inclusive means inclusive, but it's used incorrectly. Like we know what it means. Well, it's used disingenuously. Yes. That's the reality. It is really common for word. This is actually. Basically, the the disingenuine use of words is a plague because people will say something that sounds good until you look at what they're saying. Politicians use it all the time. They'll say in a very reasonable way, something that sounds very reasonable until you think about it. And you're like, not a single word you said made sense. Yeah. Well, it's like some people's asked me how I'm so far ahead on the news and what's actually going on in the world. And it's like, they're telling us they're coming right out and saying it. Just nobody's listening. I don't have some super secret insider. No, I got the same information as everybody else does. I just actually listen to them and what it is that they're saying, not what it is that they want me to hear, but I listen to the words that they're saying. And that's how I know a lot of this 
lot of the crap that's going on and what's going to happen. Well, it's listen to what they're saying and then watch what they do. Yeah. Combine these two things, you can get ahead of the curve pretty easily. Uh, really far ahead of the curve. It, yeah. And that's not to get all political, but it was an easy, um, an easy example uh, of the use of language. Which, again, is why we end up doing, like, vocab on the telegram. And we'll talk about a specific word and its definition and what it used to mean. And Well, we'll bring up entire words and what they mean. We'll bring up entire words and point out that they don't exist. Yeah. Well, they exist in the sense that you can say them, but I can say gobbledygook and doesn't necessarily mean anything. Well, and there's there, words... Words do have power. I hear this regurgitate all the time. Sometimes I wonder if the people understand what it is that they're saying. Words do have power. One of the powers that words has is thought. If you, can't, if you don't have the word for a thing, it is very difficult to hold on to an idea. Which, it's like that crua, the word crua. I was having a really hard time describing something, and then I got that word back. And I'm like, ah, this is what I've been trying to explain to people, but I didn't have the word for the foundation to be able to, uh, I didn't remember it. it was because my elders spoke Gaelic. But it's been so long, I still understand bits and pieces of it when I hear it, but I don't read it, I don't write it, and I don't actively speak it. No, but when you listen to it. But the concepts it. are still way deep inside of there. Oh, yeah, because you'll get you'll get a Gaelic song on the oh, radio. Yeah, sometimes I, I think yeah. that they're singing in English, and I'll be singing along in Gaelic. Yes, and the funny thing is, is that's actually kind of how language works, because what's basically happened is your brain registers this as the same language, because you understand what they all mean. Mm -hmm. You don't translate the words. You just know what they mean. Yeah. There's a difference. It's part of the hard part of learning a, another language is you have to find equivalents and there aren't really equivalents. It's well, like that, that's the issue I was having with that idea is I, I had the word locked in there, but I didn't have the word in my hand. So then I was trying to translate something I didn't have the word for consciously. Oh yeah. And there are words in English that um, are kind of hard to translate like petrichor, mm -hmm. which means uh, the smell of dust after it rains or something like that. It's a good word. It's a good word. I like that word. But there's also words in other languages. And I, this is something I found funny is the languages of your ancestors have a habit of be, having words that you wish you had in the language you speak if it's not the language that you currently speak. Because, like, English is a really useful language because it's a magpie language. People describe it as a Frankenstein language, but that's not accurate. It's a magpie language. It finds shiny things and then just takes it home. That's mm -hmm. kind of how it works with most of the language. Like, why would we invent a new word for umbrella? This French word is quite is perfectly fine, but you've misspelled it and you're not pronouncing it right. That's okay. That's okay. It's French. What do we care? But, French aren't real people, anyways. <laughs> Obligatory American insulting French moment. But um, the uh, like Schadenfreude. I found out about that word recently. Mm -hmm. I was like, so that's the word I've been looking for. Look up. Sh Basically, it means um, when some asshole like cuts you off, and then they, uh, but then by cutting you off, they get in a car crash that t-bones them, and then that it's kind of like it serves them right. Yes, that feeling of that that Bliss specific joy. <laughs> yeah, that specific feeling you get of like yeah after that happens. 
Even though the person might be dead over such a minor thing, it's like serves the bastard right. Right. Because we're that petty as a people at times. Um, yeah, that's schadenfreude. It's a good word because I have definitely had that experience, and it's in the language that my ancestors spoke. Right. So, uh, well, and it's, it, it's a little weird. It's a little strange, I guess. But it's almost like we have these languages locked in the back of our heads. Because you didn't grow up speaking German. No. But the word was there, and it was niggling, and you couldn't get it out. It, so it's almost like these these languages are suited specifically for our specific tribes, for our micro-tribes. Our, yeah. our, our down to the individual and the family clan and whatnot. Right. It's a description of our personalities, and it gives us the words to really express ourselves. Um. It's like it taps into that subconscious something. Well, it's strange. Well, it's, it's weird. weird. But I think it's true, more true than what it sounds. Well, blood memory, I think, is more literal than people think. I think ancestral memory is more literal than people think. And I think that sometimes we have these, like, I don't know, people are in a coma, people get in a car accident, and then all of a sudden they can play the violin, all of a sudden they can play the piano, all of a sudden. They gain a talent. Yeah, they didn't I, don't really think, I don't think that they learned it by getting tonked on the head. I think, I think they, they remembered something loose and, and that came out. Yeah. They, they so gained, it was always there. It was just locked away. Yeah. You got an extra talent. Like just <laughs> you, you hit your head. Interesting. Uh, interesting uh, mechanic for a potential game of some kind. Yeah, you, tra traumatic head injury. You gain talent. Well, given how bad people are at most fighting games, people will just be, have too many talents by the end of the first uh, section. Downside. You now have way less health and, and you're, you lost two intelligence points or something. Eventually you have no intelligence points and you're just flopping around with a god-tier sword. <laughs> right. Yeah. But in the end, all these things are actually connected. And... I, I want us to actually start embracing the word good fellow. I want our, so you out there listening, you are a good fellow. If you're pursuing the old ways, if you're trying to get back to who we are as a people and leave all the nonsense behind and just getting back to who we actually are. Yeah, you're a good fellow. That is the best word. Well, and it's a good good enough wish, and it's a good mm -hmm. enough descriptor, and that's kind of the perfect element of it is it's a descriptor. Mm -hmm. It's not really a title. It's not no. really a name. It's almost a compliment. Yeah. But, uh, and the reason that I really want to emphasize that you can be a pagan in a city, you just can't be a heathen, it's because of the literal definition of the words. Yeah. Being a heathen doesn't mean being a follower of Thor, because a lot of people right. treat heathen as synonymous with well, because of the word heathenry. Right, and what you just said there, that's why, I, why I'm trying to encourage our people to call themselves good fellows, is because when somebody says, well, Dravidian is a pagan too, well, technically, yeah. So, or not Dravidian, a, a Hindu, sorry. Uh, Hinduism is paganism too. Uh, if you really stretch the definition, yes, but he's definitely not a good fellow. A, a Hindu is not, is not a good fellow. Well, a and what, good fellow is a good fellow. Well, it's only pagan in the sense of being non-Abrahamic, yeah. which is... Well, that's it, why I say if you really stretch the definition, then yeah, it can't But people that. will use it that way. Yeah. But 
So just cut off the argument. Well, and the thing is, is just like a individual will have like mountains and streams that they'll know when they're out in the countryside. In the city, you do have important landmarks that you can take pride in and actually defend because there's urban decay because people aren't able to actually take care of the damn buildings anymore. Well, like when I grew up in the country, one of my one of my dreams was to go around and visit museums in cities because it's not that the countryside doesn't have museums, but you're not going to be able to see Van Gogh in Curtis, Michigan. Well, it's kind of hard to be able to see, um, you know, the the piece of armor that's touring the U.S. from um, the Wallace collection in paradise. Well, it's kind of hard to have the Smithsonian, you know, in the middle of, I don't know, a, let's go with a decent-sized small town with a 2,000-population small town in, I don't know, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. It's a little hard to have the Smithsonian there Yeah, because there's so many upkeep, and that's the one benefit. The one benefit of these larger population centers is the ability to to create these monuments to our people. It's a, you can create them outside of the city, but in the city you're able to do it quicker, you're able to do it faster. You're able to do it to a grander scale. It's well, and even if it's not just the monuments cuz every city's going to have its monuments. The collection of art and the collection of books you, you can have libraries in cities that just will not exist due to the sheer logistics of it in the countryside. You're, it's just not going to happen. But, mo- yeah, all cities have their monuments. Shoot, half the buildings are monuments in the, in the cities. In the countryside, one of the things I want to do is, if I get the Jeff Bezos money, start building monuments, but monuments away from urban centers not necessarily for the uh, for the heathens of the country. I don't want to build them even around towns if I can if I could avoid it because I'd want people to my uh, pilgrim. That's the word. To pilgrimages, it's a hyperborean thing. Well, it's I want our people to start participating in this again. And I understand right now it's near impossible because of the way society's set up. But I have high hopes for the future. Well, and the thing is, pilgrimages are supposed to be done. At most, you have like a horse. And part of it is because if you take your car, it's over too soon. Even if it's like a three-day road trip Mm -hmm. in a car. Because a lot of the pilgrimage is not just being at the place. It's the going to the place and coming back from the place. That's Mm -hmm. part of the point of the pilgrimage. If you can get there in one day via a bus ticket, kind of defeats the point of a pilgrimage. That's just traveling. That's yes. not a, a that, pilgrimage. That's tourism. And there's nothing wrong with tourism, but it's different from a pilgrimage, even if you go to the same site. And well, and that's the other thing that... The other reason why I'd want to set up the monuments the way that I'd set them up is set them up in a way where you can't actually do that. You have to walk. Put, build them in places where you have to walk to them. Well, and... To go back to kind of the city, we often come off as anti-city, and we're not very pro-city, especially with how it's set up, and that's us. And a lot of it's because of how cities are modern are set up in the modern day. They're kind of set up to grind people into dust, this chew people up and spit them out. And 
it's also how it interacts with the environment. There's a lot of reasons that we're critical of modern cities, but cities have always existed. Like they found old ruins of like Rivendell style cities mm -hmm. and stuff like that. We just they're just not made the way that we used to make them. And part of that's technology. Part of that's just how it's run. Well, and quite often too, the modern cities, especially in Europe, are sitting on top of old ones, like oh. truly ancient cities. The modern city is sitting right directly on top of oh, it. Oh, built on it because the old one sunk in, yeah. or or just had it. It's it has happened a lot. Like even New York, which is only uh, it's less than a millennia old. I forget how old it is. It's like four three hundred four hundred years old. All said and done, there's. It's it's not as much as like uh, Futurama, where there's literally the old city of New York is below. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot. There's tunnels. There's broken cities that have sunk in. Broken, not cities, buildings underneath New York. Yeah, New York is windows and all. Well, and New York is built in a swamp. So as a result, New York is kind of built on New York. Yeah. And actually, there was this quote I was trying to find. I just found it, which is um, from something I read recently. And it's uh, a city is the highest expression of collective triumph. Millions of people working in concerts, services for all, a machine that runs like clockwork until the moment it breaks down. It all breaks down. Useless, defective parts are found and scrapped. Everything is replaceable. So there's the benefit of the city. There's the ability to build great things to take pride. But there's also the element of eventually you lose the human component. Yeah. Especially with the modern mentality. Well, and that's, that's exactly what I was going to say, especially with the way that they're done now. The human comes second when the human should always be the primary. Well, and, and that's not at the expense of the Tweety Birds, but the Tweety Birds shouldn't also be at the expense of humans either. Well, there's, and, there's a way to do this together. Well, and it would be easier if, well, not easier. It would be better, I would argue, if the city was understood or thought of as a monument to the people. Yeah. This is for the That's people. That's an excellent way to describe it, actually. So instead of London, the rest of England serves London. London exists to further the rest of the English people. Yeah. Because... Uh, well, there's so much that would change with that simple mentality change. Well, like, simply put, like, London. Let's, let's use London because it's, one of, it's a ridiculously old city. But London has Westminster Abbey, which, yes, it's a Christian thing, but it's important to the English people. Then you have Big Ben. You have, I don't even know how many historic ancient sites are all throughout London. And then you also have the Thames, which literally has a deity associated with it with statues all through the Thames. There's history in that river. Like, you can go around the bank. I've seen uh, videos where people will find old clay pipes from hundreds of years mm -hmm. ago. So there's just living history there. And there's museums. It's... Just because London is a big city does not immediately make it bad. I would argue there's plenty of issues with London, but I don't need to say that because most we people already, already know, know that. that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not anti-city. I'm anti a city whose purpose seems to be chew people up and spit them out, mm -hmm. where the people have become unimportant. Everything serves the... Everything like, is replaceable, disposable. It's, that's not a good attitude. No. And yes, there has to be the mentality of if we cut a hand off, we just regrow a hand. But that doesn't mean you just cut the hand off. Yeah. It's Well, and here's the thing is if we can get enough good fellows 
in the in the urban areas, we might be able to actually steer things in a different direction. Because, okay, while you know what, I'm going to leave the rest of it out because there's too many ifs, ands, or buts. It's too politically charged. But if we can get enough good fellows in the urban areas who then can talk to the the other peoples that live in the region and get them to follow their own ethnic ways, we can actually make the cities so they stop just killing everybody, stop smothering them, get more trees, more nature actually in the city, start working with the land, using uh, the city as a temple to the people rather than the other way around. Well, like there's been places... I think that's the most neutral way I could say that, right? The most neutral way, probably. Well, and like there's places we've worked before where... We were told you can have your Freeman knife, like six inch knife, which is typically not allowed at work, provided you get enough people to sign off on it. Yeah. Because like the, the enough Sikh, people that will actively say, yes, I'm a good fellow. Yes. Because like the Sikhs can have their kirpan. Yeah. But the the Freeman of the. the is that what the silly little knife is called? I think so. I might be wrong. It's it, there's a bunch of K's. It's a with silly them. knife. Anyway. It's a silly knife. Well, the, look up Sikhs fighting. They're, they have they fight silly. Yeah, that's why I say it's a silly knife. I've seen them. But the um, yeah, all we had to do was get enough people to say they were good fellows, and we could have had you know the Fremen frickin' uh, sax. Well, uh, I'd, I'd Seox. Act, it, it's actually called a Fremen. It's called after what it is in the general term. There's different varieties of it, like the Seox. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's a Fremen knife. Well, and we used to always carry around a knife. I still do. I just keep mine really small so they, they don't catch me. Right. <laughs> but, um, well, and being more vocal and being somebody that's inspiring and somebody that's not afraid, using loving terms rather than letting your anger run away from you. These things will actually draw people to us. Well, stoicism. And we understand you're angry. I am angry all day, every day, but I don't let it consume me. I don't let it drive me mad. We did an entire podcast on that yeah. one, on a- anger. Um, one of our most popular, actually. But, And that's the thing is people are drawn to stoicism, but stoicism is not having no sense of humor. It's not being a plank of emotionalist. Oh, yeah, wood. because it's, that's another weird thing. People will be like, he is so serious, but he takes nothing seriously. As, well, no, actually, I yes, yes and no. It goes both directions because I mess with people all the time. I joke around, I laugh all the time, and I play, but I am serious about playing or I play seriously. But if I call somebody, I don't know, a doo-doo head, I don't necessarily mean that they're a doo-doo head. So it's it's a bit of both. And when I when it's time for me to be serious, I am serious. When it's time for me, when other than that, I play. Well, and part of the issue, like people will want real civility. Everyone be very polite. This is a work zone. You know what happens when everybody's polite? Nobody's talking. Everybody hates everybody. Yeah, it, it becomes full of animosity, and that's actually kind of what I think. That's part of the reason cities often end up being full because being nice doesn't get you anywhere in a city. Mm-hmm. But there's also the element of. Um, while it can be isolating for everyone to be a dick in a city, our people also have this odd thing where when you, uh, there's a period when you're friends where you're really nice, kind to each other. 
then it gets to the point where you start calling everyone dickhead. Yeah. It's, that's the way that that's the way our people roll. Yeah, it's like how and do you the, know your the friend? The people that don't, they're they're injured. There's something wrong with them, well, because like, there are some people that are way overly serious all the time. And the thing is, those ones they're sick, they're injured. To heal from that, they have to learn it's okay to play. It's okay to play. It's okay to laugh. Yes. It's okay to just. It's okay n- to laugh at somebody, and it's okay to be laughed at. Both of these things are okay. Uh, but they're making fun of me. Then I guess don't do that thing again, but except it's okay to be laughed at. Uh, yes, it's embarrassing. I get laughed at on a fairly regular basis. And I will laugh at other people as well. Like, I don't know if me and random person walking down the street and that person trips on the sidewalk and does a full face plant. My first reaction, first I stop and I look and I I chuckle and then I'm like, are you alive? Okay, you're alive. How badly injured are you? Okay, you're not seriously maimed. And then I'll start laughing hysterically. And even start mimicking the tripping. Of course. Why? Because I'm an asshole like that. But I don't mean it to hurt their feelings. It's just funny. They aren't seriously injured. Yes, it was frustrating rub some salt in that wound and then let's keep going and i fully expect that if i'm looking at them and i walk sideways into a pole they are going to do the same thing to me well and mimic walking into a pole and looking all shocked and surprised because that's what we're supposed to do well it's like there's an aussie comedian that i've been watching recently and it's funny because the whole thing is basically him taking the piss out of everything. Like, he'll take uh, the piss out of McDonald's. He'll take the piss out of uh, alcohol. Well, and specifically, the Australians doing that thing and how yes. they interact with it and view it and look at it. And, of course, he's taking everything way over the top. I mean, I know we have some Australians following us, so I'm going to give oh, them Oh, the- yeah, by the way, I love the dollar dues. I love it when Australians follow us on Patreon. And we get the dollar reduce. It's just so much fun to say. But I was just going to say, I'm going to give them the opportunity. From what I can tell, based on the videos I've been watching of this guy, I don't know much about Australia other than almost everything there can kill you, especially the magpies, apparently. Um, but is Australia not just one giant Florida-style trailer park? Because that's kind of how <laughs> this, this is. It's like if you took a Florida trailer park and made it a whole continent that's kind of what australia comes off as in a lot of videos yeah it's like you have that and then you have the well you have the upper class trailer park or you have the lower class trailer park. and then you also either way it's a trailer park and then you have the celebrities which are the on the steve Irwin to crocodile dundee spectrum was chris hemsworth and like uh the guy that plays wolverine in the middle yeah i can't remember his name i was trying i'm sure all the women out there just immediately said his name and half the dudes (laughs) But that seems to be like there's there's this small basically Australia is a very strange place. So feel free to to guard against that if uh, if they're misrepresenting your home country. Yes. But either way, we can work together. We we can draw people to us. Um, One of the ways that we're drawing people to us because we're getting towards the end. So I want to get our plugs in here, Um, you know, Patreon, so on and so forth. But mostly I'm interested in explaining that we're building a website to reach out to people 
and using storytelling as a way to do it to reach out to the broader the broader population because our people we love stories so why not tell stories and, and okay well what if you picked the wrong genre let's be honest our people we will watch just about anything so long as the story is good but i really love pirates yeah but you also watch sci-fi don't you oh and you also watch drama and once in a while you'll your your guilty pleasure is a cop show i fucking hate cop shows don't bring me any but so long as the story is well told we'll watch it we'll absorb it we'll so yeah the genre doesn't really matter we're, we're developing boreal punk because it'll help us actually directly um explain what it is that that we're doing ish well fantasy can actually be used to ex to at the very least get people thinking in certain ways whether it's the never-ending story whether it's lord of the rings harry potter robert Asprin's books mm -hmm. there's a lot of good fantasy out there uh but basically what i want to just say is well i personally would love to not just go out into the countryside but like freaking bumfuck nowhere countryside personally that doesn't mean that's the way everyone wants to go and i've we've said this many times our people need everything from the freaking wildman wood woeses up through you know reindeer herders country folk amish all the way into cities and maybe some trying to become like the city of the future or whatever to populating the galaxy yeah, I personally think if you're going to go that route, you'd probably you'd be further off using like a fourth dimension thing if that's even stepping through the veil to get yeah, there. stepping through the veil because uh, there's some issues with there's space a travel whole big building. long technical list. But that, that's a completely that's different completely point. different. We but, might get into that one day, maybe. But the point being is it can get very tempting, especially when you start following the old ways, especially when you're in a cruddy city to just endlessly think, oh, I'd rather go be in the countryside and go heathen instead of just good fellow mm -hmm. but there are certain benefits to being in the city and as long as we're stuck here we may as well take advantage of them like we're doing now by making ha being able to make this podcast and send it out so that people can actually hear and think about these things the ease of research the ease of building the website that access mentioned. to large libraries access to certain resources that really, by all stretch of the imagination, should be harder to get sometimes yeah. in the city because I mean, you know, it's the weirdest thing being in an urban area. Some things are ridiculous that shouldn't be is ridiculous, ridiculously easy to get your hands on. Other things which you would think are really easy to get your hands on are near impossible. So it's the weirdest conundrum that I, I'm still struggling to wrap my mind around. Well, and here's the thing is if you get if you get enough good fellows that are in the urban centers, Perhaps you can make it so the urban centers aren't grinding people up and spitting yeah. them out. That they actually do become again like they were once to a certain extent. Monuments to their people that serve the greater... I don't want to say the greater good because that, yeah, that, that is, is a big red flag. That is a polluted as fuck term and I hate people who say it, say it because it, it's never said genuinely and it always has duplicitous meanings and intentions. But... The, uh, it serves the people, period. It allows them to do the things that they want to do. It helps facilitate things. And then this is the benefit nobody talks about with cities. If you have a large population, the city allows the countryside to not become crowded. 
mm-hmm. to an extent. Now that's overplayed to the point where it's like get everybody in the country, get everyone in the city, and let the countryside have no people and flourish and uh, yeah, all this other nonsense. But it doesn't mean that cities are inherently bad, nor is it inherently bad to be an urban dweller. Right. You can be a good fellow wherever you are. You can be a good fellow in outer space. You can be a good fellow deep in a mine or underwater. You can be a good fellow in the woods. You can be a good fellow in the mountains. You can be a good fellow that somehow ended up in the Sahara and is regretting whatever got them there. (laughs) But so long as you're true, so long as you're being the best you you can possibly be, that is the core of it. That's all I got. All right, so, uh, yeah, we're at that time. I'm just going to say, you know, it doesn't matter where where it is that you live. You can be a good fellow. We can all be good fellows together. I suggest we try figuring out ways in our own lives how to be a good fellow. All right, so until then, uh, I don't think that we're recording one next week. If we are, then I'm wrong. But either way, see you guys next uh, next broadcast.